everyone and welcome back to the In Our Backyard podcast with your host Jen Galler. And in the last episode with David Flores, we speak all about the disaster in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where nearly 600 tons of ammonium nitrate caught fire at the Weaver fertilizer plant on January 31st. And now in this episode with Dima Tuma, who is an associate attorney at Earth Justice, we speak about the reform that she and others have been working on for hazardous chemicals like this. With Dina, we talk about the cases and reform she's working on, why industries are pushing back these laws, if it was preventable, and how we can keep EPA and other federal lawmakers accountable. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Absolutely. My name is Dina Tumey, and I'm an associate attorney at Earth Justice. We are an environmental nonprofit, and I, I work at the D.C. regional office. So could you talk about Earth Justice and your all's mission? Absolutely. So we are an environmental nonprofit that advocates to protect human and environmental health, preserve wildlife and their habitats, advance clean energy, and combat climate change. We advocate in state and federal courts across the country, and we also push for policy and legislative change. Awesome. Yeah. And could you talk about some of the cases you worked on in the past? Definitely. So I am, well, I'm still currently working on it, but I'm, we're, we're working and we have been working for a couple of years on the chemical disaster prevention rule, mm-hmm. which is also referred to as the risk management plan rule under the Clean Air Act. But basically the chemical disaster prevention rule is supposed to prevent chemical disasters. <laughs> um, it's supposed to achieve, you know, what it sounds like. And chemical disasters are a huge problem in this country. Data show that There are 100 or more disasters every year in this country, and 177 million people live daily in areas where a chemical disaster could impact them. And we know that the people who face the worst impacts and the greatest threat of harm from these chemical disasters are, of course, the people who live closest to to those facilities and who work in them. And they they are disproportionately people of color and low-income people. So... So like I said, we've been working on this for a couple of years at this point. The most sort of relevant history here is that in 2019, the EPA rescinded disaster prevention measures and weakened emergency response requirements in this rule. So we're challenging that rollback in court right now. We represent 13 community, environmental, and science organizations in a pending case in federal court. And currently our case is on hold actually, because this administration's EPA has committed to issuing a new chemical disaster prevention rule. So that, that final rule is supposed to come out in August, 2023. Wow. So why did they like take back some of the regulations or lower them? Was it the industries or like corporations trying to, were they like working against that? They were, that's exactly right. I, you know, industry, I think basically persuaded the previous administration's EPA to, to roll back those protections, unfortunately. Mm, Yeah. And talking about recent disaster that just occurred was the Winston-Salem fertilizer plants. Could you talk about that and what happened and who all was involved with that? Yeah. So there's a lot of information we still don't have about that disaster because of how, how recent it is. But what we do know is that there was a fire at a fertilizer plant in Winston-Salem, which stores over 600 tons of ammonium nitrate. And over 6,500 people were forced to evacuate because of the risk that the ammonium nitrate would explode. 
to my knowledge, there haven't been any any deaths or injuries reported, but that there was a mass evacuation that had to, to occur because of the threat of the explosion. In your work, do you think that this was a preventable occurrence? And yeah, how so? I do think it was preventable. The problem is that that facility appears to not be regulated by the chemical disaster prevention rule because the rule doesn't cover ammonium nitrate, which is a huge problem. So mm-hmm. what happened at Winston-Salem shows us why EPA needs to expand which chemicals and which facilities are covered by this chemical disaster prevention rule. And it also shows us that the best way to prevent chemical disasters is to eliminate the hazard, right? Which in this case was the ammonium nitrate. And yeah, I just want to make one more point about EPA's legal obligations under the Clean Air Act. So the Clean Air Act requires EPA to not only mitigate the impact of chemical disasters, but also to prevent them from occurring in the first place. And this is a perfect example of why they need to do that, because the the cost, the human harm that can happen from these disasters is significant. And like I said, preventable. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned it, but why do you think ammonium nitrate isn't included in the EPA's risk management prevention regulations? And I guess, are you guys working on telling EPA that? We are working on on getting EPA to cover ammonium nitrate. Basically, industry groups have been opposing reform for years and have persuaded the prior administration to weaken these rules. But the new rule has to cover ammonium nitrate because we know it poses a serious threat of injury and death to workers and fence line communities. We've, we've seen it happen before. We saw it in 2013 in Texas when an ammonium nitrate blast killed 14 people and injured hundreds. And we saw it again more recently in 2020 in Beirut, Lebanon, when a blast killed, again, of, of ammonium nitrate killed over 200 people and injured over 6,000 people. These are very preventable things that happen often. So could you kind of explain the Clean Air Act and what all that entails? Sure. So the goal of this section of the Clean Air Act is to prevent these mass chemical disasters from occurring and also to alleviate the impacts of them if they do occur. But that, that the core goal of it, again, is prevention, right? So EPA is supposed to implement necessary measures before these deadly incidents occur. Um, and, and in that way, it's actually different from other parts of the Clean Air Act. There are other parts of the Clean Air Act that regulate air pollution by, for example, setting levels of emissions that are allowable and levels that are illegal. This part of the Clean Air Act is different. This program is supposed to prevent all highly hazardous releases because of the death and injury and harm to public health and welfare that they cause. So EPA needs needs to take that core goal more seriously and to fulfill that goal. Yeah, definitely. And is EPA the only, I guess, player in this to put these regulations or and preventions in place? So EPA should be should be the main player here in the sense that EPA should be creating strong, robust regulations that of course apply all over the country and that, like I said, should apply to more facilities and more chemicals than it currently covers. As a result of the EPA's failure to do so, there are some local and state governments that have implemented and enforced, you know, their own their own sort of chemical disaster prevention rules. But I think the ideal design is that EPA's regulations would would be more robust in the first place. 
Mm, yeah. And then how can we keep the EPA and other federal lawmakers accountable to do this? Yeah. So the, you know, the first thing I'll say is impacted communities shouldn't have to sue, P- sue EPA for, mm-hmm. for it to get its job done. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, this is where we are. So I, I think we need to keep doing what we've been doing, which is to mobilize and organize and to participate in the rulemaking process, right? To persuade and, and advocate for EPA to implement a really robust rule. And then I think we need to take it to the courts if necessary, which sometimes uh, sometimes it's necessary to do that. Yeah, definitely. And just finishing out, is there anything that we missed that you would like to discuss or think that is important to say? Yeah, you know, I'd like to encourage people to get involved on the ground with these issues if, if they care about them. I mean, environmental issues impact all of us. And, you know, I want everyone to know that your voice really matters. I know some of these issues can feel daunting, but we, we can and we have to work together to protect human health, to protect environmental health, and to advance environmental justice. So I'd just like to encourage people to get involved on the ground and to, to work together. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And just my last question is how can people contact or connect with you if they have questions? They can find me and also my colleagues at earthjustice.org and also sign up for our action alerts if they want to learn more about uh, urgent environmental issues and how they can get involved. Thank you so much to Dina for talking with me. If you want to read more about the disaster and what's happening now, I'll link some articles in the show notes below. And tune in in two weeks for a new episode.